Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening. Whatever time you're watching this video, can I just offer you a warm welcome from your friends at Transform Witness. My name's Steve Shuttleworth. I'm part of the team here. Today's the fifth Sunday of Easter, and we're continuing to work through the Gospel of John as we seek to learn how we can live in the power of Jesus' resurrection and how we can live Easter now in our own lives, right here where we are. First of all, I want to start with a question, and it's a difficult one, and it may cause you some heartache, but my question is this. What's been the most stressful thing to happen to you in your life? If you're on your own, just pause for a moment to think about that. Or if you're with somebody else, have a chat and see what you think. It might help to get a piece of pen and paper and write things down. Well, how'd you get on? I wonder if some of you are thinking about the current social state of affairs that we find ourselves in with COVID-19 and the lockdown. Perhaps for some of you, you might have been thinking about that messy divorce you've been through. Or that time you went to the hospital and got the bad news about that illness you'd got. Or it could be that sadly someone you dearly loved has died. All these things are stressful and can cause us a great deal of anxiety. In fact, they can cause so much worry that we stop believing in God. We lose our faith. That's if we had a faith to begin with. Today's Bible passage is taken from John, chapter 14, verses 1 to 14. And if you've got a Bible to hand or you use an app on your phone or you use the Kindle to, to access your Bible, you might want to get hold of those now. But before we look at the passage, can I just sort of set the scene for what's going on when, uh, when this, this passage takes place so you can understand what the context is? I think it's important to understand the context. Sometimes we read our Bibles and we read something and we don't understand the context and we take it completely out of context. So I think it's important. So I'm going to go back a chapter to John 13. And in John 13, we have the Last Supper. This is Jesus sharing his last meal with his disciples those people who've been closest to him over the last three years, that have followed him everywhere, that have loved him. And at that meal, three extremely stressful things happen that have an overwhelming impact on the disciples. Firstly, Jesus predicts his betrayal by Judas. Judas, one of the chosen few, was going to betray him and hand him over to the authorities. 
that betrayal would lead to unimaginable suffering and ultimately Jesus' death. The second thing that happens is Jesus tells his disciples he's leaving them and they can't go with him. He says in verse 33, My children, I will be with you only a little longer. You will look for me. And just as I told the Jews, so I tell you now, where I am going, you cannot come. And then thirdly, Jesus told Peter that very shortly he would deny even knowing Jesus. We read in verse 6, Simon Peter asked him, Lord, where are you going? And Jesus replied, where I am going, you cannot follow now, but you will follow later. Peter asked, Lord, why can't I follow you now? I'll lay down my life for you. Then Jesus answered, will you really lay down your life for me? Very truly, I tell you, before the cock crows, you would disown me three times. Just imagine how the disciples felt after hearing those three things. Their beloved master, teacher, friend was about to leave them. Not only that, but one of them was going to betray, betray Jesus. And finally, and probably unbelievably, that rock of a man, probably the most loyal and forceful disciple, Peter, he was going to deny even knowing Jesus. They were shocked, confused, heartbroken. So that's the background to today's reading. How is, going to Je how is Jesus going to respond to these stressed out disciples? So if you've got your Bibles to hand, let's read this passage now. Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me that you are also maybe where I am. You know the way to the place where I'm going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you're going, so how can we know the way? Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really know me, you know my Father as well. 
from now on you do know him and you have seen him. Philip said, Lord, just show us the Father and that will be enough for us. Jesus answered, Don't you know me, Philip? Even after all that we've been through, I've been with you for so long. Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show me the Father? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and that the Father is in me? The words I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority. Rather, it is the Father living in me who is doing his work. Believe me when I say that I am in the Father and the Father is in me. Or at least believe on the evidence of the works themselves. Very truly, I tell you, whoever, whoever believes in me will do works. He'll do the works that I've been doing. And they'll do them even greater things than these. Because I am going to the Father. And I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You may ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. One of the greatest privileges of being a reader in the Church of England, which is what I am, is the opportunity to serve families in one of their greatest hours of need. And that is by officiating at a loved one's funeral. The passage that I just read from from John, John 14, this passage is often used at funeral services. And if you think about it, you can understand why. Because it contains promises that are profoundly comforting in the face of death. We can see this in the first few verses. Verse 14, do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. Verse 2, my father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you? And finally, verse 3. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and I will take you to be with me. That you are also maybe where I am. This passage brings comfort to people because it talks about Jesus going back to his father and getting things ready for us to join him with God. It speaks about life after death. It speaks of a life with Jesus in heaven for those who follow him. And that's a really important and comforting message to give 
to those of us who are left behind in mourning. However, I think this passage also has two further comforting messages for us today. Right now, wherever we are, and whatever situations we find ourselves in. Let me try and explain. Another question for you. When you think of God, when you think about God, what do you imagine? You might want to draw something or write something on a piece of paper. Well, just repeat that question. When you think of God, what do you imagine? Well, what did your drawing or your writing reveal? Did you picture an old man with long white hair? I'm, I'm an old man, but I've only got short white hair. Do you think of someone who's far away and remote? I remember in the past, that's how I've pictured God. An old man with a white beard. Or did you picture something else? This leads me on to my first message of comfort I think this passage gives to us. And that is, firstly, Jesus tells us who he is. He reveals his identity. Throughout John's Gospel, we see these I am statements from Jesus. These statements all point to Jesus being both God and man. In church speak, we call that the divinity of Christ. Verse 6 is one of those I am statements. It says, Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. With these words, Jesus was telling us and telling his followers that he is the one to follow in order to achieve everlasting life in heaven. Then he backs this up in verse 7 when he says, If you really know me, you will know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him and you have seen him. Jesus is telling the disciples that by knowing him, they also know God. But still, the disciples don't get it. Philip says, Lord, show us the Father and that will be enough for us. And then when you listen to Jesus' reply, you might just catch the slight irritation in his voice. Don't you know me, Philip? Even after I've been among you for such a long time, anyone that's seen me has seen the Father. How could you say show us the Father? 
As I mentioned earlier, the disciples had been with Jesus for over three years. They'd been living alongside him all that time. He taught them, he performed miracles and healings, but still they hadn't quite grasped the fact that Jesus was God. Jesus was God living alongside them. This message of having a relationship with Jesus is the same for us today. By having a relationship with Jesus, we're also having a living, breathing relationship with God. Not a man with a white beard sitting on a cloud somewhere in infinity beyond. Jesus is pointing to himself and God as being one. Now, when I asked you before to imagine God, how many of you pictured Jesus in your mind? Put your hands up. Did you picture Jesus? Now, I'm not talking here about looks. We all have our own image of what Jesus looked like. If you're my age, you probably imagine Jesus to look just like Robert Powell did in that 1977 TV series, Jesus of Nazareth. But as I say, it's not looks that are important. It's God's nature that is important. God who created everything and sustains everything. God who loves us and cares for us and calls us his children. And Jesus became fully human and lived amongst us. Jesus, who experienced all the ups and downs of human life, just like we do. He suffered and he died for our sins. And the good news is, he rose again. That Jesus is also the same divine God. Surely that's good news. And it gives us real hope that when we face difficult situations, by having that living relationship with God through Jesus, this must give us confidence that we're not left on our own to cope. God is with us always. This living relationship with Jesus leads us nicely to the second message of comfort I believe this passage contains. The second thing is, Jesus works in us and through us by the power of the Holy Spirit. If we look at verse 12, it says, Very truly, I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing. And they will do even greater things than these because I am going to the Father. In 11 days' time, it will be Ascension Day. And on that day, we'll remember Jesus returning to heaven to be with God the Father. This is the event that Jesus is talking about in verse 12. When he tells the disciples that he's going to be leaving them to be with his Father. 
And he goes on to say that because of their belief in him, because of their faith in him, they will carry on the works. And not only that, they will do greater things. Now, when I read that verse, my initial reaction was, oh, I'm chuffed about that. I was honoured to think that, wow, because I believe in Jesus, and because of this faith, Jesus wants me to carry on doing what he was doing. Jesus trusts me so much that he wants me, me, to carry on his work. And then almost immediately, I was filled with the thought, don't be stupid. I can't do what Jesus did. I'm a retired 61-year-old granddad who struggles to run around a cricket pitch on a Saturday at the best of times. That's absolutely ridiculous. I can't do what Jesus did. Now, the, re- the main reason for me thinking those thoughts was that when I think about the works that Jesus did, my first thoughts are for the miracles that Jesus performed. Healing the blind, feeding the 5,000, raising the dead. These miracles were all signs of Jesus' divine power. And as I said earlier, they revealed to us Jesus' true identity. But then, I thought about the other works that Jesus did. Those times when he taught, he was constantly teaching his disciples. Those times when he showed love and compassion for others. He's praying for people. He's talking to people and telling them about God. All these works along with the miracles, were designed to point people to God. That was their aim. Jesus wanted to point people to God. If we'd read a little bit further on in John, beyond our reading for today, we'd have read the following in verses 16 and 17. And I will ask the Father... And he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever. The spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him for he lives within you and will be with you. And this is really important. When Jesus says, whoever believes in him will do the works that he does, that's only possible because of his Holy Spirit being in their lives. The Holy Spirit works in us and through us to point people to Jesus, to point people to God. And that's the challenge for us. 
how do we allow the Holy Spirit to work in our lives? Do we allow the Holy Spirit to work in our lives, enabling those works to be done through us? Those works can be different for each one of us. Paul, in his letter to the Corinthian church, says, Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To one, there is given through the Spirit a message of wisdom. To other, another, a message of knowledge by means of that same Spirit. To another, faith by that same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by that same Spirit. To another, miraculous powers. To another, prophecy. To another, distinguishing between spirits. To another, speaking in different kinds of tongues. And still, to another, the interpretation of tongues. All these are the work of the one same spirit. And he distributes them to each one, just as he determines. Now, some of you will know this, but whenever you have a meeting with Greg, he always finishes the meeting by saying, and what are you going to do about it? doesn't always point his finger, but he says, what are you going to do about it? So that's today's challenge for us all. What can each of us do in our lives to point others to Jesus, to point others to God? Can I suggest one very important thing that we can all do, and that's pray? Pray that the Holy Spirit will be able to work freely in your life and through you. Pray for him to reveal to you one thing that you could do today or tomorrow that will point someone to Jesus. That one thing might be, I don't know, uh, doing some shopping for someone, phoning someone up who's lonely, having a conversation with them. It might be to pray for someone. It might be to say thank you to someone who's shown you a kindness. It might be saying sorry to someone who you've offended. To finish, can I, I just share a small encouragement I received last week myself while I was preparing this talk. I really don't like having a photograph taken. So the prospect of having to sit in front of a video camera to film this talk was very unnerving and something, frankly, I was dreading doing. I've only been filmed once before, giving a sermon, and that was four years ago when I was training to be a reader. The filming process was bad enough, but then to have to watch yourself back and write a review, that was even worse. The way I looked, the way I sounded, everything was just really embarrassing. So being honest with you, last week I was very, very nervous 
about having to have the, uh, the talk filmed. Then out of the blue, last Sunday afternoon, I had a phone call from one of the people who usually attends the 9.30 service on a Sunday at St Paul's. After exchanging the usual pleasantries, they said to me that they'd been thinking about me and praying for me all week. But they had no idea why. And they hoped they didn't mind, but they'd just had to phone me up and tell me that, that the Holy Spirit had compelled them to pray for me. I then shared with them what I'd been anxious about during the week, about having to film this talk. How nervous I was, how worried I was. Do you know what they said? They said, don't worry. Just let God speak through you. It'll be fine. And I thank them for their encouragement. The point of me sharing that little story with you is that I feel it helps to demonstrate one way the Holy Spirit can work through a person to help and reassure another person that God is with them. Let me close the prayer. Holy Spirit, help us to share the hope of our hearts with one another. Enable us to give hope to others through your work amongst us. Use us to transform our community and to spread your hope to every corner of this town. May our town flourish by the preaching of your word and the praising of your name. In Jesus' name. Amen.